Uh, so this slide, though it's not going to be about Jesus and sailing across the Sea of Galilee, I put this slide up because Jesus holds all things together. As he's going through, you know, you see those, basically we'll see that he created. He's holding them together. He's holding the waves together, the boat. He is the sustainer of all things, the one that holds your life together. So Jesus... We're going to be in Colossians 1, verse 13 through, well, it was going to be through 23, but we got halfway through in the first service. So I, I was thinking this might be a two-part study, and I think it's going to be again. But Colossians 1, verse 15, and we're also going to kind of be paralleling Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. So these, these first three verses in Colossians have a little bit of a parallel with Hebrews chapter 1. So, Jesus holds all things together. In the storms of your life, Jesus is the one who will hold you together. The one in whom all things consist. You know, maybe you're in a storm today. Maybe you feel like you're spinning in circles. You're not seeing correctly or you feel confused. Well, the very one who made you right now, he's sustaining your life right now. Our life really is a battle of the mind, right? And the more you know the truth about Jesus, the more you will be able to stand in his victory. So, you know, as praying, Lord, what would you have me share? He led me to Colossians 1:15, which basically talks about Jesus being the creator, all eternal God, and the one who holds all things together. So if we look at the Bible as a whole, you know, if you read it from beginning to end, you see that it all points to Jesus, right? You know, you have God's creation, you have the fall of man, you have God's redemption plan, and through that redemption plan, through patience and perfect wisdom, he carried it out patiently and, and, and prepared the way to where Jesus, the Son of God, would come to earth in the Old Testament. So, and then after the redemption plan, we have God's eternal kingdom, right? So just to kind of summarize them, the four main things. So it's all wrapped in Jesus. Jesus is the main thing. So Hebrews, let's go to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. So Hebrews 1, verse 1 says, well, let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for your word and the truth that it brings, Lord. And I just pray that we would just rest in you right now, Lord, and let your promises, your truth shape our hearts and our minds, Lord, and, and what you want to do. We thank you that your word does not return void, as you say, and... None of it falls to the ground, Lord, but it accomplishes that perfect, that task that it is set out to do, Lord. So we pray that you would just speak your words of truth and life this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So God, who at various times and in various ways 
spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. So you see throughout history, you know, God sent prophets at various times and in various ways. You see different prophets throughout the Old Testament with their own personalities, right? And some of them did some pretty crazy things. And uh, he sent these prophets to show the world who he was and to kind of pave the, the way for what was to come. So he used pictures and types of what was to come, right? So you think of a movie or a book, and when, when you're watching the movie or you're reading that book, there's, there's always foreshadowing, right? It's kind of giving you hints in a way of what's to come. So God has done the same thing. You know, he's, he gave hints of what was to come. The same was true in the Word of God and in history. You know, God used a type of foreshadowing, you know, through prophecy and through his prophets and his word. And so we see many pictures and types of the Redeemer, of Jesus, in the Old Testament. There's so many, but just to name like four of them that we all might know. You know, Moses as the deliverer. We have Aaron and the Levitical priesthood, you know, the sacrificial system that shows that, you know, sin has a consequence. And then you have Joshua bringing Israel into the promised land. And then even David, the king of Israel. So, you know, even in these, these three right here, kind of wraps up Jesus' Jesus's ministry. You know, his threefold ministry was he was a prophet, he was a priest, and he was a king. So in the Old Testament, it was forbidden for a king to be a priest or a priest to be a king, right? You could not be both. It just wasn't possible and it was not God's will. So we have an example of that in the Old Testament of one of the kings who tried to bring a sacrifice and bring his own, do his own sacrifice to the Lord and it was an abomination. We also, you know, you, you can have a prophet and a priest or a prophet and a king but never a king and a priest, right? But Jesus was all three. Uh, so we know that the law couldn't save, right? The law could not save. It was not meant to save. But yet the, the law revealed sin. The law revealed the need for a savior. So we have, in the Old Testament, you know, since the Garden of Eden, since the fall of man, we had a problem. We had a problem of man being separated from God. So in order to bring man back to God and God back to man, you know, the Savior needed to be both man and God. He had to be the mediator to bridge the gap. We've heard that, that line so many times, to bridge the gap, right? Well, Jesus is our mediator. He's like us yet he's like God. He's fully human and fully God. So he was able to be the mediator to bring God or bring man back to God. And we'll see that he created all things. He holds all things together. 
You know, Jesus really is the answer in your confusion. He's the, the answer when you feel confused, when you feel like you're just in the dark. He's the deliverer of your problems. He is the one that will make you full. He's everything. Okay, so a little background about the letter of Colossians to the Colossians in Coloss. So when I, when I listened to this word, Coloss, Colossi, Colossae, it was, I heard it three different ways, the three I just said. So however you want to take it, I'll just say Colossae was a city invaded by many untruths, okay, at this time, and it had many subjective theologies circulating, and these lies started creeping into the church there. So one of the dangerous heresies arising in the church back then at this time was that Jesus was a created spirit and didn't have a real physical body. So, you know, if he was created, that would mean he couldn't be eternal, right? That would mean he was not God. So this was a form that later on uh, formed into Gnosticism, which maybe many of you have heard, which was the basic belief that God was good and matter was evil, or spirit was good and physical was evil. So Paul here in Colossians is writing to disprove those lies. So in chapter 1 of Colossians, it's talking about the truth of Jesus Christ. Chapter 2 is about the truth of the cults. And then chapter 3 and 4 is about the truth of the Christian. But this morning, we're going to be in chapter 1, speaking about Jesus and the truth of who Jesus really is. Okay, so let's go from Hebrews back to Colossians 1. Verse 15 says, speaking about Jesus, says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. And we're going to read through to verse 18. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. So back up in verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God. You know, how in the world can you get an image from something invisible? Is that even possible? It's really, it's really not possible, right? But with God, all things are possible. And this is how he chose to reveal himself. He, Jesus, the image of the invisible God. You know, the word image in the Greek is icon, E-I-K-O-N, which is where we get our word, icon, I-C-O-N. It's, it's basically a copy or likeness. It's an exact likeness. So Jesus is the perfect image or exact likeness of God. So 
you have the world and people throughout history and different religions asking the question, who is God or is there even a God? You know, what is God like? That's the question and pursuit of so many different religions. Well, we have the answer. The answer, the way that God chose to reveal himself was through Jesus. Okay? Philippians 2.6 describes Jesus as being in the form of God. And Jesus said in John 14.9, He who has seen me has seen the Father. He is the manifestation of God, fully God in every way. So in Hebrews, which I said we were going to kind of parallel with, uh, back in chapter 1, verse 3, talks about Jesus being the brightness of the glory of God. I'm going to go there really quick. Uh, Verse 3 says of Hebrews chapter 1, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. So that word brightness actually means off-shining, right? So the brightness, Jesus is the off-shining of the glory of God. So if you picture God and his glory, it's Jesus radiating out from God. That's God's glory. That's the brightness coming out from God. And you could just think of how how unified the Trinity is and how much they are a part of each other and they serve each other and are perfect, that the very glory of the Father is actually Jesus radiating out the glory. Um, You know, you could picture the rays from the sun, like you look outside and the light from the sun is what's illuminating everything we see, right? And the same is true for Jesus. When our eyes aren't on him, our lives become clouded. We get dark and heavy. But when we let Jesus in, when we, when we look to him, when we focus on him, he illuminates. He illuminates the truth and what's before you. You know, he's our, he's our path. He's the way, the truth, and the life. You know, in Psalms, it talks about the word being a light unto my path. You know, and Jesus is the word. The Word of God, when we get tangled up in things of the world, we come to the Word and it grounds us. It lights our path to the right way, that straight and narrow path towards the sun. Um, So Jesus, the light that shines in the darkness. In Revelation 21, 23, talks about the Lamb being its light in the new Jerusalem, right? So now you have no more sun in the new Jerusalem, but the light, the, illum- the illumination that lights everything up is actually Jesus, the Lamb. So John eight twelve says, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Jesus, the light of the world, the life giver, the life changer, the life sustainer. Will you let that light shine upon your heart today? The truth of the word, the truth of who Jesus is, that he's holding you together right now, that he knows all your troubles, 
He knows what you're going to face this week. He knows those things you're struggling with. He knows your relationships, whether it be your marriage, whether it be your job, your kids, whatever it is, Jesus knows. And when you look to him, he will give you the right direction. So light, light makes things visible, right? You know, if Jesus is our light, you think of light and it allows us to see. When it's dark, we can't see and we start fumbling. We don't know where we're going. We start getting confused. We run into things. So Jesus is the light. When he turns that light on, things become visible. They become real and you start to, what once was confusing is basically understanding in a way. Though we're, you know, though we live by faith and sometimes that's, many times it's blind faith, he still is providing in that moment. Um, verse 16. Oh, I'm sorry. Wait, back, back it up. Verse 15. So we didn't go over the firstborn over all creation. Okay. In Colossians 1, 15. 115. So 115, he is the image of the invisible God, right? And he is the firstborn over all creation. So that firstborn doesn't mean that he was created as some may try and bring out of there and start some kind of crazy thing like they were back then, which is happening today as well. But rather it means in preeminence, not in chron chronology, right? Not in chronology, but in preeminence. He is possessing the right to the inheritance over all creation. So you have many examples of that in the Old Testament where the firstborn is not, not about chronology, but more in rank and status and receiving the inheritance. So verse 16, Jesus is the creator of all things. So in Hebrews 1, 2, it says, Jesus through whom also he made the worlds or also the ages. So I want to take you to one more place and then we're going to come right back to Colossians. So keep your finger there. It's uh, John 1. We all know this verse, right? But we're going to go through it. John 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word speaking about Jesus, right? He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. So Jesus, our light. And if we remember, the false teaching in the day was that Jesus was, cre was a created spirit by God or somehow the same as angels, right? Well, Paul writes to get rid of that lie by explaining that Jesus created all the angels and the ranks of beings, whether they're seen or unseen. So let's read that verse again in uh, Colossians 1.16. says, For by him all things were created 
that are in heaven, right? Jesus created them all. And that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. So whether holy or fallen principalities, right? We know there's holy angels and then there's also fallen angels, which are demons. Uh, the principalities and powers, Jesus is ruler over both and creator of both, right? So I, there's a, uh, a documentary, you know, you have the question that the world wants to ask, that basically scientists want to ask, you know, how did we get here? How did we get here? So there's a documentary called Particle Fever, and it's about quantum physics. Uh, so basically, these quantum physicists, they're taking tiny little particles, and it's, it's at a place called CERN. It's a, there's, there's a lot about that, but this place CERN is in Europe, and what they do is it's quantum physicists who are just studying science. They're scientists, right? So here in this documentary, they're, they're colliding. They're trying to collide two particles to try and recreate like the Big Bang Theory because, you know, this is what they believe. They're trying to find out why are we here? How did this happen? What's the meaning of life, they would ask in this documentary. So, you know, after, after the documentary, they're trying to figure this out, and then you see this one scientist pacing back and forth, like his mind's blown. He doesn't know what to do, you know? And they've got all these, uh, all these mathematic equations, and it finally leads him to believe that, wait, there must be a creator. Like, it brought him to that point with, with all that they've gone through. But then he denies it and basically goes back to the beginning. You know, he got to that point and said, you know, I, there's no way I can believe in a God, so there must be another way. So that's, you know, that's kind of the, that's just the, the way of our world, you know. We want to find out. We're searching, right? Everyone's searching. Why in the world are we here? What are we here for? yet pushing away the very creator and sustainer of their lives. You know that everything was created through him and for him. It says at the end of verse 16, all creation, the different beings in heaven, the universe, you and me, and people throughout history, we were all created through him and for him. So if this is true, the only way for you to be fulfilled in life is if you live for him. That is the only way to be fulfilled. You know, we can get wrapped up in the things of the world, right? We can, once we leave here today, we're going to leave, we're going to see the billboard. I, I drive up this way and the billboard is like one of the first things I see every Sunday when I get on the freeway and Something is trying to grab your attention and sell you this or that or bring your attention to something that's away from the creator, but rather on the created, right? Like Romans 1 talks about. 
So, you know, you have these, the smartest people in the world, supposedly, actually don't even know the reason for our existence. There was, I was sharing with someone in Sacramento, downtown, midtown Sacramento, not too long ago, a couple of lesbians sharing with them about Jesus. And I, I asked them, well, why are we here? And they said, science. And I was like, science? You know, science is actually the study of what already exists, right? So how can we be here by science? So you think of in 1 Corinthians talks about the wisdom of the world being foolishness with God, right? But the world sees us as foolish, the wisdom of God as foolishness. So, but if you think about it, okay, so when, in your lifetime, when have you ever seen something explode and just become something orderly, right? So this is the question that I, that I asked them, like, when has that ha happened? Has it ever happened to, to anyone? Has it ever happened? Yet, you can look around and see everything, if you look at everything in this room, or the car you've driven, the iPhone you have, that's all been created. So you look at your life, you see nothing's, nothing has exploded and become something great and orderly. Everything that is that has been created by a person, right? It's just kind of like an image of, of what's always been, what is actually logical. So if you think about it, the real logical, logical thing is to believe in the creator, because never have we seen anything different. Uh, so I don't know, that was, that's not even in my notes. Not, so where am I? <laughs> oh, okay. So, you know, you get, you get sucked into the things of the world, right? Maybe you've accomplished something great or maybe you've built something or won this or that, but when it's all over and you just sit down like after, you just have yourself, right? Like what else is there? Unless you have Jesus. Jesus makes all things worthwhile, right? He's everything. He's what? He is eternal, the inheritance that we have through him is eternal. It will never fade. It will never, it will never go away. So, you know, if, if we were created for him, as it says in this last verse in 16, I've thought about this before. Like we're created for him. And you know how you can just be mulling over things in your life and your heart and your head when you're just, when you're learning about the Lord and I remember at one time thinking, well, God must be selfish if it's all for his glory, you know, if it's for him. But it's actually quite the opposite. Like, it's totally, you got to do a 180 and look around and say, okay, God, the perfect Trinity was from eternity past, right? They were perfect, unified, not needing anything. They were full. Yet, they chose to share their love, so they created so they could share in, in who they are, right? 
So they created. So what do we get? You might ask, well, what do I get out of the deal, right? Well, you actually get everything. You get everything, though you deserve nothing. If anything, if anyone gets the short end of the stick, it's God. Because what does he get? He gets us, right? He gets us and we get him. If you think about it, we have everything. The eternal God, who's going to be revealing himself for eternity, we get to share that with him. We're actually in Christ, right? As it says that Jesus is the head of the body and we're the body. So we're actually in Christ. Jesus, somehow, we are a prize to him, right? Somehow. I mean, that's just amazing. Sinners who turn their back on God becomes a prize to God only because of what he's done to bring us back. Like if you think of the gospel or the story in a nutshell, you know, God created and his creation turned his back on him, but he loved him so much that he sent his son to live that perfect life and do it for us because we couldn't just so he could bring us back to him. I mean, it's crazy. If you just sit and like meditate on that, it's amazing. So instead of saying, well, well, God's selfish or why does he allow this or that? Like wrong thinking, you know, turn it around and realize that he gets us and, and, and we're his prized possession. So then you remember Cracker Jacks, right? Do you remember Cracker Jacks? I used to love those as a kid at the box. And the best part to me was finding that prize in there. But usually the prize was kind of, it didn't end up being what I hoped it would be, <laughs> right? It's kind of the, the anticipation, what's going to be in there? And then I kept hearing from my parents, oh, they used to be so much better. They were made by metal back in the day, and then now they're like... But that's not what we are to Jesus, right? We're actually a prized possession and eternally. He loves us. You know, as a child is to a parent or as a bride is to a husband or even part of your own body, that's how God describes us in Jesus, right? So we're his child. Think of, you know, if you have children, think of how much you love your children, right? Or as a husband getting married and just waiting and anticipating and waiting to be married, you know, as, as much as he loves his bride. Or even a part of your own body. You know, even though last service I said we never neglect our own body, but, you know, we kind of do. We're sinful. We're dummies. We don't eat right. We neglect our body. We sit around and look at screens rather than be active. <laughs> Another distraction, right? Uh, so, you know, Jesus doesn't neglect his body. The church is his body. But overall, we, we want to take care of ourselves, right? We care and we, we don't want to fall apart when really it's Jesus who holds us together. So verse 17, verse 17, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. 
So before the universe, before anything, God is. I love how it says he is. So Jesus is. He just always was. The Trinity always was before all things. And in him, all things consist. If you, well, let's go to one, let's go to John 17, verse 4. This, I read this this week and it just like blew my mind. Start, started thinking about it and 17.4, John 17.4 and 5. So Jesus is praying to the Father and he says, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. You know, Jesus perfectly fulfilled the will of God for his life. He did it perfect. He did it all. Isn't that amazing? Wouldn't that be so amazing if you knew the Father's will and you just think of how much Jesus was up and spending time with the Father. Are we doing that? Are we seeking? Are we wanting to know God's will for our life? If we are, are we spending time with the Lord and in His Word and letting Him direct our paths? So verse 5, And how, O Father, glorify... Oh, and now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. So he's talking about the glory that he had before the world was. Isn't that crazy? Jesus is praying to the Father and looking back to the glory that he had before the world was. And that just made me think, wow, this verse is amazing. You think of the Trinity and being perfect in unity. They never had pain, right? They were fully perfect. Yet they chose to create, to give themselves and their love, to show their love to more created things. And when they did that, they experienced pain when they never did before. They knew, the cons- they, they knew it was going to happen, yet they still chose to do it. And then yet experienced pain that had never been before. Isn't that crazy? Just the choice, they still did it. And the choice that us turning our backs on God, that God came through his son, Jesus Christ, lived that perfect life and died in our place that we might be with him, that we might be saved. He's our redeemer. Jesus, our Redeemer. So, in Him, in Jesus, all things consist, right? At the end of verse 17, which literally means to hold together. He's holding you together right now. He's holding together the chair that you're sitting on, your body, everything that's around you. He is right now holding it together by the power of his word as it describes in Hebrews chapter 1 and 1 verse 3. So not only did he create, right? But he sustains and he's holding all things together right now. So you think, what is keeping you and I in this room from exploding and becoming chaos right now? It's Jesus. You know, we have these things in our life that seem 
too great for God or too great for us, which they are too great for us, but you have Jesus who's just even making your body work right now, right? And, and be alive. He, he brings order. He created order. He wants to bring order into your life where you are right now. Whatever you're going through, he wants to bring order. He wants to take your upside down life, your scattered life that is running, not knowing which way to go, right? The weeks just get crazy. He wants to take that and he wants to bring order. He wants to show you the way, the truth, the life through his word and his Holy Spirit. So I'm going to... The atom. Who knows what the atom is? Nobody? Come on. I, I, you know, the first service is usually asleep. I'm sorry. Am I, am I boring you? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Okay, so the atom. No, this is really cool. Okay, so you have the nucleus, right, which is made up of neutrons and protons, positively charged and neutrally charged particles. Then on the outside is electrons, okay? So just some really cool facts about the atom. So most of the atom is empty space, right? 99.9% .9 is empty space, give or take. So everything right here is 99.9% .9 empty space. <laughs> Your mind... <laughs> You know, isn't that crazy? Space, but we can, we can touch and we don't go through things. Crazy. Okay, another, so protons and neutrons are held together in the nucleus at the center of the atom, right? By a strong force. This is what scientists call it, the strong force, because they really don't have a full explanation for it. I, although recently they talked about something called a quark, like positive and negative charges within the nucleus that we're holding it together. But really, they can't describe what's actually holding because you know that like charges want to repel, right? So that nucleus is positive and neutral, which would want to go like that. So this force can be overcome by striking the nucleus, right, with a neutron or a proton or any other particle, which is basically, I think that's what they were trying to do in that documentary. They exploded it and then they needed to, they did what they wanted to do, but they didn't get much further. It's going to take never. Well, they'll never figure it out. <laughs> so... Because it really is Jesus. You know, the strong force that binds together protons and neutrons is a, th a thousand thirty-eight times more powerful than gravity. But it acts over a very short range, so the particles need to be very close. You can see, like, the nucleus there in the center. <coughs> so... What is the strong force that scientists are not able to fully explain? Well, we know that it's Jesus, right? Because Jesus holds all things together. He's the sustainer of life. You think about, you know, one atom in the atomic bomb, right? You know what happens when there's an 
atomic explosion, I think originally from one atom. You know, your, your, your body right now, you know how many atoms you have in your body right now? Seven billion, billion, billion atoms in your body. Look what one atom can do if it gets split. Isn't that crazy or what? Chaos and just, there's ripple effects after that as Pastor Lee described to me earlier today. Uh, but yeah, your body is made up of seven billion, billion, billion atoms. And it replaces about 98% of them every year. Think of the work that God is continually doing in your body yet you don't even realize or know it. He's holding us together, not only physically, but mentally, you know, and emotionally. When our life can be up and down, emotions go here and there, you know, we, one day's great, one day's not, but you get, you have God who's a constant, perfect constant above that will hold us together. Um, so you think about that explosion of one atom. Let's go, well, I'll read it to you. 2 Peter 3.10 says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness. So the old heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements, they're going to melt with fervent heat, right? And the works that are in it will be burned up, and they're going to be dissolved, it says. So you think, if Jesus is holding all the atoms together, what's going to happen when he lets them go? That sounds like the description to me, you know? He's holding it together, and he's going to create a new heavens and new earth, right? He's going to let the old go, and it's just going to Can you imagine the craziness of that? It even says here, with a great noise. I mean, one, ad one atomic bomb is a great... I've never heard it, but I've heard that. <laughs> <laughs> They're loud. Uh... Okay. Oops, you saw it. Okay. So this, this is a protein. Maybe some of you have, know about this, but it's a protein that acts like a glue that holds cells in your body together. It's called laminin. So it's vital for the maintenance and survival of tissues. Defective laminin can cause muscles to form improperly, leading to a form of muscular dystrophy. Lethal skin blistering, diseases, many different defects can happen when there's defective laminins in your body. So this is a glue that holds the cells in your body together. And this, you know, this, this is from science. This is the structure of that cell, the glue that holds your body together or that holds your cells in your body together. So it looks like a cross, right? 
And it's just crazy. Like the more, as much, I love science, but I just don't know very much about science. But I love to learn at least as much as I can about it. But this is amazing. The more you study the creation of God, the more you see God in it. You know, and uh, you see like the three strands. There's the three strands. Can you see them? See if I can make this. The one that's going straight up. And then there's the intertwine. I think it was Corey that, that had brought that up. Uh, so there's three there. The work of the cross. You know, it's all through the Trinity. God is intertwined in everything from beginning to end. The Holy Spirit, Jesus, and the Father. You know, all, you know, the Father gave up his Son. Jesus was the sacrifice. And the Holy Spirit was in Jesus, the one who, was, who lived perfect. And he's in us now. So you have that that protein that holds all things together, right? The same as Jesus holds all things together. Jesus, the perfect God, man, brought us together and glued us back together to the Father, basically. You could think of it that way. He brought us back together. So Jesus, our glue. Jesus, the one who took our sins upon himself on the cross. Is your world falling apart? Are the things around you falling apart or getting away from your grasp? You can look to Jesus. Let the word direct your life. Let the word rearrange your life and put it back together. That makes me think of an old song from Delirious. One of the lines said, Break me up, shake me up, turn me around and put me back together. You know, sometimes... The Lord needs to break us. He needs to shake us. He needs to get rid of those desires, those dreams that, that aren't of him. You know, he knows better. And you may be crushed for a while, but he's going to turn you around if you keep your eyes on him. And that is going to become your dream, what he already had for you. The work he prepared in advance for you on this earth to do. So our lives, they're going to be held together to the degree that we are centered and focused on Him. So maybe, you know, you've chosen to have Jesus be your Savior, but maybe, maybe you've been focusing on other things in the world, things that really, truly can't satisfy. They're going to get burned up in that explosion, right? They're not going to last. The house that you have, the car that you have, those things that you work so hard and maybe hate your job to get, right? No matter where, you know, maybe, maybe your job, maybe it's your job, maybe it's relationships. You know, if we look to Jesus, the light of the world, the light, he will give you all that you need. And maybe, maybe you haven't chosen the Lord. Maybe, maybe you've just lived for yourself, you know, and hopefully through this, you know, the Lord, 
He's the creator, Jesus, the creator who made you, who holds you together, whether you want to choose him or not. He loves you. He wants you to come to him, follow him, and he wants to illuminate your life. He wants to make your life worth living. Uh, So I'll just give you that chance right now. We'll pray if there's anyone who hasn't ever said, Lord, be Lord of my life. Jesus, be Lord of my life. I believe that you died for my sins and rose again from the grave. Lord, we just thank you for your word, Lord. Your word is so true. And the more we study and get into it, the more our minds get blown. And it just almost reveals that we know even less than what we thought, Lord. So, Oh, Lord, I just thank you that you love us, you care for us, you chose to create us to share in your love, and you love us no matter where we've been. The Bible says that while we were at our worst, Jesus died for our sins. So when you've been at your worst, Jesus has died for your sins. So if you haven't chosen the Lord before, just you can just say something like this, Lord, I believe that I'm a sinner, that I've fallen short of who you've called me to be. And that Jesus, fully God, came as a man and lived that perfect life that I couldn't live and died on the cross for my sins. I choose to believe upon you, Jesus, and the cross and make you the Lord of my life rather than my own life, which will not last unless it's in Jesus. In Jesus Christ, we have eternal life. So Lord, I choose eternal life. I choose you to be Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.